Hello, ladies. If y'all want to take your seats or move to your session or wherever you need to be. I'm Holly Mayfield. My husband is Aaron Mayfield, and he's one of the pastors here in Round Rock at Redemption Hill. Yeah, if I can remember all those things. Well, I guess. Well, Georgetown now, wherever we meet, right? Uh, so this is the session uh, that Betsy Payne is doing on, what's it called again, Betsy? Women to Women dis Mentoring and Discipleship in the Church. And so if you're supposed to be in a different one, just stay here because it'll be, you won't, you won't mind. So it'll be great. Uh, and I'm here to introduce our speaker because I, too, have a passion for the transfer of the gospel. And I have a similar story to share. So Betsy got to share her story this morning. I wish I had like 10 or 15 minutes to share my long story like she did, but I don't. Uh, but I want to share my story about someone who discipled me and pretty much did the same thing, invited me into their life. So let me take a quick minute to do that. Okay, so back in 2005, I was a newly married young Christian woman. I understood the gospel, but, sorry, I get nervous speaking in front of people, so bear with me. All right. Uh, the gospel really had little effect on my daily life. Uh, the gospel was to get you saved. Uh, so thanks to the kindness of the Lord, we ended up joining a new church plant, and there I met a woman that saw my need, my desperate heart for teaching and direction, and she basically adopted me as her daughter. Uh, and just invited me into her life just like Betty did to Betsy. So she poured into me a passion for the word, for biblical teaching. She cared for my soul. She cared for me practically in more ways you could imagine. Uh, and she taught me to live out the gospel in my daily life and to transfer it to my children, just as Betsy's talking to us today. Um, and as you've probably guessed, that person was Betsy. So the lady that I am speaking of is our speaker, Betsy Payne. She lives this out, and so I'm very eager for you to hear from her on this topic because of how she not only teaches it, but she lives it. And her impact on my life has been tremendous. And as she stated about Betsy, I echo. As she stated about Betty, I echo about Betsy. I truly believe in my soul. Without her, I never would have made it. So thank you, Betsy, for coming to encourage us and practicing Titus 2 uh, for the sake of the next generation and for the glory of God. Oh my, they're testing me today <clears throat> on the tear meter. Thank you, Holly. Holly is a delight to me, truly. Okay, well, I just want to say before we start that um, when we're done, we're going to have about 15 or 20 minutes to do Q&A. Um, so I just want to encourage you, if you have anything you think of while, you're, while we're going through it, to just jot down if you want to ask about that or questions or maybe something that's not explicitly in this teaching, but it's just something about this topic that you want to know, and I'll do my best. Um, <clears throat> let's just pray. 
Father, I thank you so much for the gift of fellowship, for the gift of other women in my life, Lord, and, and just how you uh, created your world and created for us to be a part of your family and to link arms with one another and try to be um, encouraging and helpful and uplifting. Lord, I ask all those things today. Lord, I pray that uh, whatever is going to be helpful, you would allow to ring in the ears of these ladies. And what isn't, Lord, that they would just never even remember that it was said. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would just be here among us, Lord. As I said this morning, what you call us to, you give us what we need to accomplish that. And I'm so grateful for that, Lord. So I just ask for your grace this afternoon. Um, and may we make much of you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going to start off by reading to you today. So you've had your lunch, and maybe that's not a good idea, because maybe <laughs> I'm going to put you right to sleep, but I'll try not to. Um, I want to read a little excerpt out of this book that I read several quotes from this morning. It's called Adorned. It's by Nancy Lee DeMoss Wogelmuth, and the subtitle is Living Out the Beauty of the Gospel Together. And we love this so much that this is what we call our women's ministry. Um, because the book is just so beautifully done. I mean, the doctrine is there. She's very clear biblically, um, but she's also a beautiful writer. Um, so you can see my book has ink stains. I mean, I've used it so much, I've worn it out already, but um, get that book if you don't have it. It's, yeah, it's so good. You won't regret it. Um, and I, I'm sure most of you know Nancy DeMoss Wogelmuth, but if you don't, she is a lady who has served uh, the body of Christ so faithfully and so excellently. Um, and she served as a single woman until she was in her mid-50s. And then a man came along, and he popped the question, and she said yes. So I'm going to read that, a little bit of their wedding day story. Um, just a little bit more encouragement for us in terms of Titus 2. Uh, so just settle back and I'll read. It had been a short night of sleep, but that didn't matter to me. I knew this day, Saturday, November 14th, 2015, would be one I'd never forget. At the age of 57, I was about to be a bride for the first time. Today I would say I do before God and several hundred witnesses and become Mrs. Robert Wolgamuth. It was a day I had eagerly anticipated and for which I had been earnestly preparing for months. My phone alarm woke me at 5.15. An hour or so later inside the church, we were directed to a small, sparsely furnished room where over the next few hours, a transformation would take place. I slipped on a robe and took a seat as first a hairstylist and then a makeup artist quietly got busy. My wedding gown, purchased months earlier, painstakingly altered and carefully steamed by a friend the night before, hung off to the side, ready for me to slip into. An elegant bracelet and diamond earring sat on a table along with sparkly silver shoes, which yet another friend would take to a shoe store as soon as it opened so they could be stretched. They were brand new and killing my feet. Anybody know what that's like? 
Everything was ready to complete the ensemble. But why was I going to all this trouble? Why was I getting more dressed up than I had ever been in my whole life? And why had I endured the seemingly endless attention to details that commandeered my life over so many months? I'll tell you why. All the time, thought, money, and effort expended for that one day were for a single purpose. I wanted to be adorned and beautiful, ready for my bridegroom. And I wanted to adorn my husband-to-be with my affection and attention. I wanted him to be honored and admired by others. I wanted our guests to see how much I loved this man and what a gift he was to me. In the bride's room, just moments before the ceremony, someone came in to let me know that one of our guests had asked to pray with me before the wedding. Vonette Bright, a dear lifelong friend, was like a second mother to me. 89 years old and widowed for a dozen years, she had been battling leukemia and had just been told she had only months to live. But she'd been eager to be at my wedding and if it was the last thing she did and she'd made it. As it turned out, she would be with the Lord only six weeks later. I was eager to see this beloved friend, so we circled around her wheelchair as cameras and flashes cameras flashed and video rolled, and this venerable woman of God led us in prayer, blessing our marriage. When she finished, Vonette turned to me and whispered, I had hoped to be able to speak to you alone. In response, I cleared the room. Then she turned to me and spoke gently but forthrightly. Honey, I'm a mama, and I'd like to know, is there anything you'd like to ask a mama before you get married? No cameras or recorders were privy to the sweet exchange that took place in the next few minutes, but that scene and our conversation will forever be etched on my heart. A woman in the winter of her life imparting encouragement and exhortation to a woman in an earlier season who was eager to glean everything she possibly could. A seasoned wife having enjoyed a vibrant, loving marriage for 54 years, mentoring a novice in how to make much of Christ in her own marriage. Two women, one older, the other younger, living out the beauty of the gospel together, woman to woman. Beautiful. Isn't it beautiful writing? Um, but just as me, I, I hope you take away a couple things from that. First of all, just as she meticulously adorned herself as a bride to get ready for her husband, we have the opportunity by putting on the character and likeness of Christ to bring that same honor to our bridegroom and adore the gospel of our Savior as well. So I kind of built all the bridges this morning as far as what the scripture says on all of this, and I really just want to talk about practical things today. Um, I just so believe this is in our DNA. One day at church not long ago, I watched as some preteen girls were kind of hovering around the young single ladies who graciously kind of brought them into the conversation, made them feel special, you could tell that. And then a little while later, same day at church, I saw some six, six to 10-year-old girls looking to the, for the attention of those teen girls. And not long after that, I saw this three-year-old chasing after one of the six-year-olds. And I thought, you know what, Lord, it's in our DNA. It's just there. Um, so let's talk about uh, some principles. There's some quotes there for you to read. Um, and I'm going to talk, uh, you know, you can use the words dis discipling, mentoring. 
I'm going to use mentoring just because that's what we've been using to train our ladies, and I'm just used to that word. Um, so if you look there on Roman numeral two, transferring our faith to our daughters. I'm not going to talk a lot about uh, discipleship in the home. I'm going to talk more about it in the church, but I'm going to talk a little bit about it. And I hope it goes without saying, if we aren't building it in our homes, there's no way the culture is going to be there in our church. So when you're building in your home, just keep in your mind, you are also building the church in a very real way. Um, so let's look at that Roman numeral two. Um, obviously, we are, are, as fathers and mothers, both called to um, disciple both our sons and our daughters. Obviously, your girls need their father's influence in a big way, and your sons need your influence in a big way. But we do have a special place as moms with our daughters. So I'm going to talk about mostly about that today. Um, I'm going to go over first uh, about the word. Um, obviously, it's of first importance in our lives. And it, does anyone not have an outline? Because there are outlines for this session as well. So feel free to get up and get one if you, if you want one. Um, so number one, they're training our daughters to love God's word by studying God's word. Um, from the time your baby girl is tiny, you can already be pointing her to Jesus and the word, and I would highly recommend that you do that. Um, at first, you'll be doing all the reading, <laughs> but there are so many amazing resources out there. I, I, I know you probably know about the Jesus Storybook Bible, but it's one of my favorites. Um, and I just came across some little board books that are precious. They're by a lady named Danielle Hitchin. I don't know if you've seen them. Um, there's like five of them. One's called First Bible Basics. One's called Let There Be Light, and they are so sweet. Um, so I would highly recommend those. And just, you're already talking about the gospel. You're already talking about creation. You're already talking about Jesus, and she's too. Um, glory to God. Um, then as she gets a little older, um, you can begin teaching her a habit of daily devotions. We used to have a friend who said, um, no devotions, no breakfast. <laughs> That's what they taught their kids. So everybody in the house did their devotions first thing. It's not a rule. It's not in black and white in the Bible. But it's a, it's a thought. Um, we're trying to teach them to make Jesus and time with him our number one priority. So that's a way to do it. Um, so we often got something that looked like a journal for our little ones, gave them a picture Bible. And when mommy was doing devotions, they were sitting beside me, and they were doing devotions. So they had their crayons, and they scribbled on a page. And that's, that was their devotions. <laughs> but it's teaching them a habit, even though they, have, they don't have any of the stuff of the habit yet. But they have a habit going. Um, and then after that, you can write, go over a, one simple scripture with them. You can put it at the top of the page and say, now I, I would like you to write out a prayer um, based on that after you read that scripture. And I have those journals uh, from my kids, and they are priceless to me. All those misspelled words um, and, you know, prayers that are, you know, make my sister be nice to me. They're supposed to be putting a prayer to change their heart. Jesus, I pray that you'll make my sister be nice to me. But they're precious to me because they're just the beginnings, the budding of their relationship with the Lord. 
And then later, as they begin to read, you can give them longer passages. And, and eventually, you can teach them how to do inductive Bible study. Um, it's not that hard. And it gives them a structure for how to really study accurately. And as they're getting into high school, um, you, can, you can actually teach them hermeneutics, how to study the Bible. Um, so, you know, it's a progressive thing. Obviously, you have to go at the rate that your child is maturing and growing. Um, but I think we all need that. I have not really studied that way until the last probably five years. Um, and I still feel like I have a ton to learn about how to rightly handle the Word of God. Um, but I'm excited to do that. So I'm 61. I have a lot of years, hopefully, ahead that I can learn more and more about how to be accurate in studying the Bible. Um, as far as memorization goes, I think that's another key. Um, there's lots of great tools out there, sword drills and all sorts of things. One thing also that I would recommend is have your daughter rec uh, memorizing scriptures that pertain to what you're working on in her character right now. Um, sword drills are great, but it's a scripture that's not necessarily connecting to her life right now. So find scriptures that do with, if you're working on self-control, then have her memorize those scriptures. Um, we used to have them memorize very early, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right, Ephesians 6.1. And so then when we're correcting them because they did not obey, we asked them what Ephesians 6.1 says, and in their cute little voice, they spit it right out. And they don't, they're not connecting that yet, but that's okay. Once again, we're building a habit. The word matters to your daily life. God speaks into what's happening to you right now as you're hitting your brother over the head with that truck. <laughs> and I want to make that connection for you. Um, later, we used to put above their chore chart, Proverbs 13.4, a sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. And they didn't really like it there on the top of the chore chart, <laughs> but it reminded them why they needed to be diligent. Um, number two, then you kind of move away from personal devotions. You're, you're going to study the word with your daughters. And this is just a way... The principle is to study um, the practice. There's a million practices. But what I did with Bethany was we had two tracks. We studied Bible doctrine or some doctrinal um, idea. And then, then we studied biblical femininity. And we just went back and forth and back and forth. And I'm not going to go through these resources with you, but I put them there. They're just good ones or good authors. Um, that we used and loved, and uh, you know, they have, they both, they all have many different books, so lots of stuff out there. And then just the idea that when you're doing studying with your daughter, make it fun. Um, we did all sorts of stuff together while we were studying. We'd go to the park and have a picnic, we'd go get ice cream, we'd make a shopping date. On the way to shopping, we'd read what we were supposed to read. On the way back from shopping, we'd discuss it. Um, it doesn't have to be, okay, we're going to sit on the couch and study. Um, and then application there. Whenever you're studying, always place an emphasis on applying what you've studied. Um, it's very, you know, that's from James 1, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Um, it's very important to discuss the topic. You want her to get the right takeaway from the scripture. But if you stop there, you're in danger of teaching her that knowledge is all she needs. 
and knowledge isn't all she needs. She needs wisdom, which is applying knowledge. So, um, you know, we would say, uh, I'm sure you've heard this, right doctrine results in right living. Um, and then we'd always talk about, okay, now we've understood what the scripture is saying here. Now, what does God want me to do with this today? And sometimes that's going to be easy, like she'll come right up with it. He wants me to be kinder to my little brother. Um, other times, the takeaway might be God is sovereign. And she won't be able to think about, okay, what does that mean today? Or what did that mean yesterday? But you will have to make that connection for her. Like, remember last week when your friend's birthday party had to be canceled because her little, little brother had the flu? Um, was God sovereign then? And how could knowing that God was sovereign have helped you with the disappointment of having the party canceled? So just helping her make those connections. Um, always work to, toward getting at her heart. Um, you don't want to stay at a surface level. You want to begin to teach her to evaluate her motives and her desires. Um, some girls will be great at spilling everything. They will have an earnest desire for you to know everything they think and feel in five minutes. And I've had that. I didn't have a daughter like that. I had a son like that. Um, you know, there's a scripture that says some, men, says some men's sins go behind them and others go before. Well, I'm one of the ones that everything's out there. It's obvious you're going to know what my struggles are. It's like vomit all over the place. But then I have other kids who are very good at keeping it kind of back here. And I think that's harder. I mean, this is messy, but you got the whole picture and you can work with that. When you've got to dig it out, it's, I think it's harder. Um, but you might have a daughter like that who's got this deep well, and that's where Proverbs 25 comes in. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And uh, sometimes you won't be feeling like a man of understanding, but you'll realize you're in deep water. And uh, I, I mean, that's where I just prayed and prayed and prayed. Lord, I don't know what to say. I'm not sure what scripture applies. I'm not really sure what the root is here. And she's not going to just hand it to me. I'm going to have to dig and dig. Um, but that's okay. Because all that time, you're building relationally with her. You're telling her, I love you. I care about this. I will sit here for 50 minutes and draw what probably could have been said in five because I love you that much, and I, I don't love you nearly what God loves you, and he'll listen even longer than I will. Um, be patient. If you think about bringing water up from a deep well, bucket full by bucket full, thank God we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> that would take a long, it takes a long time. So it's that way sometimes. And don't be frustrated um, with how your daughter's made. You might have the one that spills everything and be thinking, oh my gosh, why, Lord? <laughs> or you may have the one that just doesn't, you know, one word answers, and no, I'm fine, no. I... And you'll think the same thing, but just be patient. God made her the way he made her for an exact reason. And, um, you know, you won't know that probably for a long time, but just be patient with, and, and really embrace who she is. Um, it's, a, it's a joyful, like I see now that my kids are adults so much about why God made them the way he made them. But back then, when it was just 
a wall to get over, um, it was a little harder. So just want to encourage you, trust God. He knows what he's doing. Um, and then life skills there. I'm not going to talk a lot about this, but you have the opportunity to teach your daughter so many things in addition to the knowledge of God and the love of God. Um, so many things from, you know, how to drive a car through a car wash to how to bake a chocolate cake. I mean, you, you're going to teach her a million things. And just work hard at seeing that as a privilege. Um, for one thing, it'll keep your heart and attitude on a better track. But also, it will help you remember, um, oh, God entrusted this to me. I, it's not I have to teach her. It's I get to teach her. And what you build today will provide opportunity for tomorrow. If you build well today, then you'll have a lot of tomorrows. Um, so even though it might be painstaking, um, you know, teaching my boys to clean a bathroom, it was a challenge. Their definition of clean and my definition of clean were way different. But, you know, and I don't really care if they can clean a great bathroom. I just, I wanted to teach them that discipline, and that was relationally something for us. Until I got angry and impatient, and then it wasn't effective. But as long as I remembered it was a privilege had in my mind's eye their little wife who would appreciate them knowing how to do this, I could do well with it. <laughs> yeah. um, enjoying one another. I think one of the saddest things Pete and I have had um, in counseling is sitting across from parents who have been faithful in so many ways. They have taught their child the word. They have t taught them to love church. They have taught them to serve, um, only to be facing an all-out rebellion right now with a teenage child and be absolutely heartbroken that they don't want to hear it. And then saying to, you know, there are many things that could result in that, so this isn't the only one, but one thing, asking them, what do you do apart from studying the word, you know, things that are uniquely Christian? I mean, do you do anything, hobbies? Do you have games you like? Do you like sports? Do you have a team? Do you have music? Do you, and getting really a blank stare and realizing, you know, they've kind of forgotten about how to enjoy their child. And our children need that. They need to not only be trained, they need to be loved and enjoyed and lavished upon. Um, and if it doesn't come naturally, um, find someone who's good at that. Uh, anything. Like one time I was really struggling with one of my sons, um, really having a hard time communicating. But he was into trading cards. At the time it was, this is going to really take you back, Desert Storm trading cards. And I didn't know a thing about the generals and the, what do you call them, vehicles and the flight craft and all this. But there was a card for everything and I took him to the card store. I mean, how hard was that? But I, <laughs> I couldn't get through. So we went to the card store. I think I spent five bucks. And the kid never quit talking. All the way there, all the way home, and for an hour afterwards. And I realized, OK, I need to have things like that, where I am entering his world, I'm enjoying his thing, and, and then I can get into his heart a little bit farther. Um, 
study your daughter. Find out what interests her, what she thinks is fun, and what you can, you know, if she thinks piercings are fun, you might not be able to enter into that with her, but <laughs> find something you can enter into. <laughs> um, and build in such a way that she knows she isn't your project, but you love her and enjoy her. And she should have the sense that along with her father and siblings, there's no one else in the world you'd rather spend time with than her. And not have the feeling you'd rather go do a thousand things and you're doing her because you're obligated. Um, that's just not the way Jesus is with us. He's the God that sings over us, rejoices over us with singing. Um, so we want to imitate that and really enjoy our kids. Um, De-initiating and communicating, God initiates everything with us. Uh, so we turn and initiate with others, especially our daughters. You're going to be the primary initiator for a long, long, long time. But one day you'll start training her how to initiate um, and teaching her how important that is. The more diligently and consistently you communicate when there isn't a crisis, the better you'll be able to communicate when there is one. Um, don't try to begin communicating with your daughter when she's just turned 13 and having meltdowns every five minutes. Communicate long before that. Um, and don't put communication in a box. I'm a scheduler. I love plans. I love calendars. Um, and my daughter wanted to talk at 11 o'clock at night and right before dinner and every other inconvenient time. <laughs> but I considered that like God handing me gold when she wanted to talk. So I would just go with it. Um, and I, I, it was well worth it. I don't regret that at all. Um, serving. It's significant that when Jesus was training his own disciples, he said, Mark 9, if anyone would be first, he must be last. And servant of all, um, we want to teach our daughters to serve and serve cheerfully. Uh, my daughter was the fourth child, the only girl. She got spoiled and spoiled fast. One day, she was sitting at the kitchen table. The refrigerator was five inches away. She was eight, seven and a half years old. Her brother, Jonna, that's what she called John, was clear in the other room doing something for school. And, she, and I just happened to come in on this. And she said, Jonna, could you get me a glass of milk? And I said, stay where you are, John. Get up and get your own milk. I mean, she had just become the princess. And I realized we're in trouble here because she doesn't have any siblings that mess up anything of hers. She has these brothers that just bow down and do whatever she says. I mean, I spent all those years saying, prefer, 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 prefer. I said to the boys, don't prefer her anymore because <laughs> she is turning into a monster. Um, and I had a dear friend who was having a kid a year, I think, and she needed help. And I said, I, I want you to be tough on her. I'm going to send her for a whole day a week. And if you need bathrooms clean, she knows how to do it. If you need to, you know, have dishes washed, she knows how to do that. She can't just come and have fun with the babies. She has to do. And my friend was so dear. She helped us so much. Because my little girl is really a servant today. And she wasn't heading that way. <laughs> um, encouragement. As I said this morning, this is just such an important skill. And none of us usually right off the bat are good at it. Um, so you want that to be uh, in, in the culture of your family. 
Um, it's much more, and we had three boys, so slamming and smack talk and all that, that was the normal. Um, so saying something encouraging, genuinely encouraging to your brother, that was like, come on, Mom. But we were tough on that. We just said, we don't want to hear one word of smack talk for the next week. If you want to talk to your brother, you need to say something encouraging. Um, so they had to learn how to do it. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, like I said this morning, I was terrible at it. I didn't know how to do anything but criticize. So it was a skill that I had to learn. Um, prayer, teach your daughter to be desperately dependent. One of the regrets I have, people say, do you have regrets as a parent? Of course. Um, one of them is that I prayed for them all the time in my devotions, and they knew it. I tell them, I was praying for you this morning. God said this. But I didn't pray in the moment. So things are hitting the fan, and I'm just still talking and explaining and blah, 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 instead of just saying, you know what? We're not doing very well. Let's just stop right now and ask God to help us. And I just wish I would have done that. I think that would have done much more towards teaching them dependency than just telling them I was praying for them. Um, and that's just such a basic list. But I do want to get to talking about woman to woman in the church. Um, I know that uh, there, are, there are probably some of you here, this scripture here, 1 Thessalonians 5.24, the one who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. I just hung on to that for dear life while I was raising my kids because there's so many mountains to climb and I, I knew my weakness. Um, God is faithful. He will be faithful to you. Um, and if you're one of those people who have done all this and you're not seeing the fruit, I was just talking to somebody in your child's life, um, just remember God's timetable is not the same as ours. Keep building, keep loving, keep praying. Um, I have a friend, it's one of my favorite stories. She was 20 when she got saved. She began then to witness to her grandmother, and grandmother did not want to hear it. Grandmother did not want to hear it for all the time until she was 100 years old. She still did not want to hear it. My friend was still sharing the gospel with her and praying for her. One month after she was 100, she prayed to be saved, and one month later, she died. So Galatians 6.9, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So don't give up. Okay, so let's look at Roman numeral three, woman-to-woman -woman mentoring in the church. Let's just assume that, um, you know, I'm a big on it's ineffective at least and probably foolish to try to act something through that you don't have a conviction about but if you have gained a biblical conviction about mentoring in the church about um, what Titus 2 is talking about what I talked about this morning then where do you how do you start how do you begin that and there's kind of two ways um, one is, you know, you're, you're being taught in the church, hopefully from the pulpit and everywhere else, hopefully in your women's meetings, you're, you're teaching on this idea. Um, and then you just begin to encourage the women to do it. 
Um, and that's kind of the, the normal, natural way because, and the thing that's a great advantage about that way is it just means people start to be drawn kind of naturally to the people that they, God gives them eyes to see. And they build a relationship and a friendship. And then out of the friendship, you know, they're, they're going to study together now. They're going to pray together. Things just become more maybe structured and intentional. But it starts with a friendship. And that's really the best because you know they love you. And so if they have to say something hard to you, you can, you can handle it um, because you know they really love me. Um, so it's such, that's such, I think, the ultimate way. The problem and disadvantage with that way is that it's slow. It's slow going. So like, for example, when we went back to Denver three years ago, there was a lot of trouble brewing. And there was a lot of trouble brewing among the women. There was really a split house. Um, and there was a lot of dissension. There was a lot of grumbling. There was a lot of insidious feminism just kind of creeping into the church and the women weren't aware of it and it was just not a good scene. So to think about starting to teach slowly and woman by woman, it, it just seemed to call for something a little bit more immediate. So we created a program and, and there's other advantages to a program um, the, the disadvantage, of course, is, you know, we're matching mentors we've trained with women who would like to be mentored, and they a lot of times don't know each other at all. And that's kind of rough to start that way. But what we've said in our training is because it's going to be that way, or if you, you may end up with a mentee that is someone you do know and you do have a relationship with, and if that happens, great. If that doesn't happen, and this is somebody who doesn't know you and you don't know, I mean, you need just to prepare your mind. Next two years, we're just going to get to know each other. We're just going to do stuff together. We're going to meet together. We're going to uh, serve one another. We're, we're not heading for the deep well, you know, next week. We're, we're just going to, that's long term. At some point, that's going to happen. Um, because of the fact that it is an artificial, in some ways, Pairing. On the other hand, we've taught a lot about the sovereignty of God. We've said, you know, look, we pray over this matching, and we ask for God to guide us. Um, and there have been some really cool stories about how God has put things together that we didn't even know when we were praying over their names. Um, and of course, the advantage to that method is it just infiltrates the church a lot quicker. So, you know, in three years, I think we've made significant progress in bringing a unity to our women, um, in bringing more relationship, because we have now all these connections that are happening. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it has turned the ship some from where it was. So, but either way, women are being loved, cared for, discipled, church is growing, you know, so either way it happens. Um, if you look there at letter A, what exactly is mentoring? I just wanted to put a kind of a definition to it. It's definitely not what's in the church, what's in the world. Um, in the world, you can look for a mentor to teach you how to do just about everything, like expand your career or empower you as a woman or whatever. Mentoring is not that. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about formal counseling, although I would say 
Anytime we're caring for one another, we should be counseling. We should be doing biblical counseling because we should be bringing the word into it and starting with the word, and that's what biblical counseling is. But by saying formal counseling, we just don't want our women to feel like they have to handle some of the really extreme troubles that they might face that might need someone who's just more experienced and, and has more training and that kind of thing. Um, it's not leading a Bible study. It's not becoming someone's mother. Um, mentoring is an intentional relationship between an older or spiritually more mature person and a younger person toward the end of growing together to become more like Christ. Um, you're walking through life experiences. You're defining your season. You're saying we're going to meet for a year and then we'll reevaluate or something like that. Um, and you're just doing everything you can to point your mentee to Christ and to learn from her. There's a back and forth for sure. Um, and it's a, it's a way of transforming lives. Um, I had a girl that um, was young mom. She got married and I think had a plan in her mind of how it was going to go. And instead, she like had a baby. And then five minutes later, she had another baby. And she just was like, I'm drowning. And when I went first, to, I asked her, could I help you? Is there anything I can do to help? I'd be glad to do laundry, scrub your toilets, whatever. And she said, yeah. And I went to talk to her. And really, her what she was articulating at that time was, I just need information. I need podcasts. I have these websites. I have this blog I read, blah, blah, blah. So I just prayed for her, continued to ask how I could serve. But I realized she's just not ready yet. She's still thinking that what she needs is the list of how-to. Um, so a few years later, she, was, she came around to the idea. She said, you know, I've realized I don't need more information. I need an older woman to walk in front of me so I can see how to walk it out. And she was wise in saying that. And there is a warning in the Bible about knowledge. It puffs up, but love builds up. So that's what we're trying to do in mentoring. Um, so most of this that I'm going to do in this next section, uh, practical thoughts on mentoring or discipleship, I mean, a lot of it is just, you already know it. So I'm just going to reinforce what you already know. Um, but it is very practical. And I'm saying it kind of from the perspective of you being a mentor to a mentee, just because I couldn't figure out how to do both back and forth. Um, but most of the things can be applied just as well if you're, if you're the mentee. I, my first formal experience of being mentored was with a woman in our church who was miles ahead of me in the Lord, miles, and yet she was younger than me. But I did not care. I could see that I wanted the life she had with God and I just went and said, I don't know even how to ask this, but would you disciple me, I think is what I said. And, you know, she was very humble. You know, why would you ask me? And I'm like, yeah, let me tell you. I've seen this. I've seen this. I've seen this. I've seen and I don't walk in any of that. And she was wonderful. Um, and we're still very close friends. But, you know, she was many years younger than me. But she was godlier than me, and I needed help. <laughs> and so it was very fumbly. You know, she didn't really know what to say. She said, sure, what would you like to do? Do you want to study the Bible? I'm like, you know, I don't know what it looks like. 
but could we just start and try to figure it out? So we did book studies and we did Bible studies sometimes. And most of the time we sat and we had, you know, I had my two-year-old, she had hers. I had my spanking spoon, she had hers. And, you know, we'd talk for two minutes and then one of us would go to the bathroom and then we'd talk for two minutes and then the other one would go to the bathroom. I mean, it was not nice, neat, and clean. It was kind of messy. But boy, did I learn from her and began to have a real hope in my heart. I, I think I can be a Christian woman. I, I think, and before that I was feeling like, I don't know how to do this. I've been a Christian a long time and I still don't know how to do this. So um, let's go with the prayer. Begin by submitting your desire to the Lord. So if you feel strongly, if you have this desire and this conviction, first pray because having the conviction and the desire does not equal it's time for you to act. Sometimes we make those synonymous. They aren't. Um, so just begin praying. Lord, I, you have stirred my heart in this. I, I either want to be taught or I want to care for someone. And, you know, where do I go now? And just let the Lord work in your heart. And then, you know, he might, dis, you, he might lead you to the realization, yeah, it's really not time yet. And if he leads you there, then it might be time for you to study. So this Adorn book, get it tomorrow and read it. It's amazing. And there's a lot of other good ones. Susan Hunt is amazing. Um, who else have I read? Just, I mean, there's just a lot out there on it. And you could begin studying Titus 2. You could get a commentary and really dig deep in that. Um, and, and just let the Lord nurture it in your heart. Uh, then if you, you could also begin praying with other women in your church, if you have some, and you, you definitely want women who aren't going to jump ahead, that are going to just wait on God in it, but, you know, just pray for your church, pray for the women in your church to be inspired by it. Um, if after praying you feel like you're supposed to pursue, if you're younger, just pray that God would sh show you a godly woman in your church or in your circles who you respect and you admire and just begin to pray for her and pray that if you know God would open a door there now you may have to go and knock on the door like I did you may have to go and say would you do this for me but I would pray first for her and for the whole thing and then if you're the older woman same way um, you may see somebody and you you see that they're you know they're just beginning and it, it's they seem like they have areas where it's difficult and you can pray for them just pray for them for a while and then go and say is there any way I can help you I'd love to help you would you like a day out would you like an afternoon out um, would you like someone to come and play with your kids while you organize would you like me to help you come organize is there any area that I can and and usually if you just open the book like that it's like, really? I, I would love for you to come. Now, I had one girl who, <laughs> I just think she wasn't sure. She was kind of skeptical. And so it was kind of like, I would like you to come and just hang with my kids while I, she had like a little side business while I do. It was almost like she was testing me. Are, will you do this part? And then we, then she said, now will you do this other part? It was like little by little. And eventually it was like, 
I don't care, Betsy, just tell me anything you want to tell me. <laughs> but at first, she was caught, and that's okay. We just, you have to take it where it is and take the steps accordingly. Some people will take you and want giant steps, and you'll have to pray about that, you know, but other people will be slow, and that's okay. Um, if your church has a program, uh, you, you know, I would go to the leader and just say, yeah, this is really on my heart, and, you know, I, I would like to be mentored. Can I sign up? Um, Okay, so let's say you get into the relationship and you're just, you, the first thing you're going to do is be a loving, listening friend. And you're going to invest in the younger woman right where she is. Um, you want to listen intently. Obviously, you want to include your new friend in as much, if you can have, if you have enough time to do two intentional meetings a month, that's great. If you have time to do one intentional meeting a month and then call her once a month, that's great. Um, if you have time to do two intentional meetings a month and then have her over when your family's watching the Super Bowl or take her shopping with you when you're going to go grocery shopping or that's even better. As much life on life as you can get. I've done dishes. I've done so many things. Holly and I sorted clothes once, remember, when you were taking them to a garage sale. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to be together. And while you're together, you're going to be fellowshipping. Um, so let's see here. Uh, always uphold the other structure, authority structures in their life. If this is an older teen or a younger single and they're in their, their parents' household still, then you want to respect the authority of their parents. So you want to be asking when she brings this whole thing that she's upset about, have you talked to your parents about it? What did they say? You don't want to get in between. You want to build them into. Same thing with a married woman. You always want to be asking the married woman, did you talk to your husband about this? What did he say? Um, and, you know, sometimes you might be stuck because what he said, you might think, hmm, that's not really biblical. <laughs> but you got to handle that in a wise way because you don't want to um, disrespect their husband at all. You don't want to, like I said, you don't want to come between them. So walk carefully on that one. Um, be engaged. Listen intently. One thing, you know, show compassion and show joy. Sometimes we're in such a hurry to come up with a fix for a problem that we forget to be with the person. Jesus came to earth to be with us through things. And we want to be with our mentees. We want to laugh when they're laughing, cry when they're crying, um, rejoice when they're rejoicing, enter into their life and where they're at. Um, ask questions to understand. One real mistake we make is we listen for 10 minutes and we know what the problem is and we're prescribing a fix and that's way too early. Um, when in doubt, ask more questions and ask some more questions because what you'll find is there will be a presenting problem. They may be talking about this kid of theirs who's driving them up the wall and he does this and he does this and he does this and you'll listen for a while and you might have thought, oh, that's the problem. And then you listen another two, three days, four or five weeks, two months, and you realize, oh, no, no, that's not the problem. This is the problem. <laughs> but if you would have jumped to it back there, you would have had the wrong medicine because you would have made the wrong 
diagnosis. So just ask a lot of questions. Um, be real and transparent. As a mentor, your level of transparency will set the, set the tone, and they need to know it's safe to be real and transparent. That is not to say it's safe to give wild release to every emotion and sinful thought. They're not the same thing. But she does need to know, look, we are, like, I, like that one quote I said this morning, you're a beggar, I'm a beggar. I'm showing you the bread right now, you're going to show me the bread tomorrow. Um, and she, she just needs to know it's okay. She doesn't have to um, play the Christian game. She needs to be a real person talking about real problems with a real God who has all the answers. Um, let's see. I've said this many times. God often uses our failures more than our successes. That is so true in my life. Um, some of the best mentors, actually, are women who have made big mistakes. They've repented, been forgiven, been restored, experienced God's grace in a powerful way, and they, they are great at helping other women because they've been there. Um, teach out of your failures. Um, no two mentoring relationships are the same, um, so don't compare. Um, someone you, you may know is doing the same thing you're doing and they're getting into deep things a lot faster than you are and that's happened in our mentoring program and, and then the, the other person thinks I'm doing something wrong. That's why they're not really telling me anything. And you're like, no, no, no. People are people. They're different. They may have past bad experiences. It makes it hard for them to get deeper. Um, just have the faith to look to Jesus for the person you're walking with, for the time that you're with them, and let him say, it's going to go this fast or this slow or whatever. Jesus isn't in a hurry. Um, number six, you'll not have all the answers, and that's okay. Just get used to that. Get used to First of all, I used to not, I didn't do this, and then I heard this from someone, and I thought, oh, yeah, we should pray. If someone asks us something and it's a hard thing and we don't know, we should stop and pray. It's just like my parenting problem, you know. So now I do that. If, if she brings something up and I'm thinking, whoa, this is, let's pray. Let's just pray right now and ask God to give us help. Um, but then just also get comfortable with saying, you know, I don't really know. And I'm going to talk to my husband, if that's okay with you, to get her permission for that. Um, I, I'm going to get some help and I'll get back with you, and then make sure you get back with her, because otherwise she'll start feeling like, oh, well, she really didn't even remember she said that. That's not good. Um, sometimes there won't be an answer, but you can still listen and respond and just be with her. Um, number seven, set expectations. Um, it's great to schedule. Like I said, I love schedule, so... Second to fourth, Tuesday evenings, six to eight o'clock. That's great if you can do that. A lot of times you can't do that, though. So if you can't do that, just think out of the box. We had women who met an hour before church, women who met for dinner an hour before life group, um, women who, you know, had kids in tow, couldn't think of a time when they could really. So they took the kids to the park and on a walk and brought their mentor with them. And that's how they, so you just have to kind of create, be creative. Um, but do schedule it. Do try to get it on the calendar. That'll be helpful, even if it's random. Um, 
communicate that you're not, your goal is to not um, grow her independence on you, but independence on God. Um, she, you're not there to replace. He's only one Savior. Um, make that really clear. Express your desire to be available, but also talk about, you know, people have full, we both have full lives, and that's, it's okay. Um, and also talk about rescheduling. You know, there's going to be a lot of times we're going to have to cancel. There's going to be times when we're going to have to reschedule, and that's all okay. That's just normal life. Um, obviously, you want some momentum if you, if you reschedule four times in the first four meetings. I mean, that's probably not good. She's, she's not going to get a real feeling of stability out of that. But um, you have to also, you have to realize that that's going to happen. I mean, with my health issues, I have to do that a lot. And it's just, my, the girls I've cared for down through the years, they've been so gracious, just so kind to me, that when I call and say, you know what, I can't do it today, they're wonderful. They're just wonderful. So um, set goals with your mentee. Um, you know, there's broad goals, like we just want to grow together and become more mature in Christ. We want to have increasing knowledge of the word. We want to have an increasingly consistent prayer life. We want to have a bond of friendship and build one another up. Those are broad. Then you can have specific. She may say, I cannot stay on a diet. I cannot stay away from the store. I shop all the time. You know, whatever. There might be a self-control problem. So then you can make narrow goals. Um, and you can talk about it. I once walked a girl through eight years of bulimia and anorexia. And we had to have small goals. You know, eat a quarter of a sandwich for lunch and write it down. And then the first thing I'm going to ask you is, are you lying to me? I mean, it, some things last a long time. That girl doesn't have bulimia or anorexia anymore, praise God. But it was a long road. That required a lot of accountability. There are lots of other things. Self-control doesn't have to be that extreme. It can just be, um, I can't stay away from chocolate. Poor thing. And, you know, I'm going to help you with that. I need help with that. And, you know, it's always better if you can get her to define what her thing is and then have her ask you to hold her accountable. But she might not know that. So you might have to teach her how to do that. Here's what's best. You figure out exactly what you are wanting to work on, and you ask me to help you. That's the best thing. Um, so then you can memorize scripture. You can uh, do book studies, um, all kinds of things. Okay, then confidentiality. Obviously, we need to honor that. Mentees need to be assured that what they're sharing with you isn't going to go anywhere else. And um, also, mentoring is not for discussing someone's sins that's not in the room. And that's tricky because they're going to bring relational conflict. And they have to describe it to you. But you've got to get them to describe their heart in it and not the other person's sin. If it gets to the point where you just can't, you can't get it out of her, you can't, without her saying, my husband, blah, 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 then you probably should refer that to the pastors because they both need to sit down then with the pastor. But you don't want it to become a place where they can come in and talk about anybody in the church or in their life and you're hearing about everybody's stuff. That's not what mentoring's for. Um, 
if a situation arises in which you feel like you need help, again, you have to ask her permission. Can I talk to my husband about that? Can I talk to this other? And it's pretty good, too, sometimes to do that ahead of time. Like, at the beginning, start. Oh, my gosh, are we really that? Oh, dear. Um, it's pretty good to decide that ahead of time. Like, is it okay with you if I talk to these two women if I need help or advice? And also to ask, if we were ever to need the pastor, which pastor would you like to talk to? Just so you have that reference. Um, and just remember the Spirit is with you. He is in you. He wants to help you with this. Um, and let's see, I, I put this comment here about um, keeping a close watch on your own life. 1 Timothy 4.16, keep a watch on yourself and on the teaching. Um, if, you know, we just need to always be aware that we're, even while we're helping someone, we're susceptible. So we just need to keep a watch on our own heart. Um, this next thing, letter C, setting up a mentoring program in your church. I'm not going to go over this. I, I, I just wanted to put it all there for you. If you have any desire to do that, it at least gives you one church's idea of how to maybe get started. Um, and I put, I put it in pretty much detail um, so that you can kind of get an idea. And by no means, I mean, we're in our second year. We're like no experts on this. We just have just started. But it would have been helpful to me when we were starting to see someone else's thing. So I thought I'd give it to you. And then if you look, um, there's a resource list there. Same thing. This is a bunch of forms that we've used Sample agenda for a meeting, We've, we use that just to give our girls an idea of how you could start your first meeting. Um, unhelpful ways to ask a question, just teaches you a better way to ask a question. A um, hundred conversation starters, and actually some of them have come back and said, that has been really helpful, because my girl doesn't talk. <laughs> and I have to go like two or three questions so that I can get it going. Um, and then you see that resource list, it is a topical, it's not very large, it's just some topics. Pastors vetted all of those books. So, um, you know, it's something that you could use. So if, if a topic comes up and you really don't know where to start on that, you might get one of these books. And then a bunch of other forms, and they're all there for you at the end of the outline, and you're welcome to copy them. Um, you do need to give credit for the six types of unhelpful questions if you copy it. Leave that little bottom thing on. Okay, so. Anybody have any questions? Yes, ma'am. Um, yes, sometimes. But the route I would go would be in saying you know what, I think this is beyond our scope. It's beyond my scope. But whatever I recommend to you to do, I will go with you. And I would first like to recommend that you go to our pastor. Then the, pa <clears throat> excuse me, the pastor might have you refer to a licensed counselor. Um, I don't know if that'll happen or not, um, but I'm going to walk with you through the whole process. I will be right beside you. But I don't feel qualified to 
like when that girl first came with the eating disorders, I was like, oh my gosh, I am out of my... But it was important to her to not only get the other help, but to have someone who was just going to be her. I'm right here. And I will feed you the food if I need to. <laughs> you know, but I don't have the expertise to really lead you out of this. So we got a lot of help outside on that one. Yeah, sure. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. And, you know, we've had it already in two years. So um, we one thing we did to kind of mitigate it ahead of time was we said um, we just taught right from the start. Um, you know, God has put authority structures in place in our church, including we're all you got, us who are the leader of this women's ministry, leaders of the, this women's ministry, and we're going to pray that God is going to use those channels to show us through various means which women are ready to mentor. So we're going to invite mentors. We're not going to let you sign up. If you feel like that's something you'd really like to do, please come and talk. And then I'm usually the one that talks with the ones that we think are not ready. And that's just a hard, there's no way around it. I mean, you just have to say hard things. And yet, you know, you can't be, um, a, a lot, I don't want to ever say to someone, this is never going to happen. Or it's not likely that you're going to be doing this. <laughs> I want to say to them, look, right now I think there are some things that might be in the way for you. Um, but I'm glad to help you with it. Or I would like to get you with, would you be willing to be mentored by somebody who could specifically help you with these things that I think are getting in your way? Um, you want to like offer them hope and help even though you're saying, I don't, you're basically saying, I don't think you're ready to mentor. <laughs> um, what, it has, it has, but you know, that's glory to God. I mean, that's glory to God for the humility of that woman. Um, then with the mentees, we, we haven't really restricted that much at all. We do have some things like you're talking about where I think if they came and asked, I would have to really, but we do, like, we have one girl in our church who is blind, and that presents all kinds of, you know, challenges, um, but she, she really is teachable and humble, and so we just had to wait until we, we couldn't let her be involved the first year, because we didn't have anyone, so we had to explain that to her. It's going to need to be someone who uniquely feels called to you in your situation. And then we have someone. So it's working out great. Um, but And then we have another couple of situations where it, it's just, it wouldn't be good for, you know, it, 
it's just beyond the scope of what a mentor is supposed to be. But that doesn't mean, like I have asked other women to specifically to pour into that girl, and um, but not in a mentor capacity, just as friends. Would you girls come around her, pick her up for things, take her out once in a while, just love on her? Um, because in those couple situations, it's a, it's a um, the rest of her life kind of thing. So it's, unless God does a miracle, which he can, but um, he hasn't yet. So yeah, we just have to kind of be careful with that. But yeah. Yes, ma'am. You're exactly right. Um, we are not mandatory reporters in any way, but our pastors are. And we tell our um, mentors in the training, if, if anything even begins to sound like this, go immediately to the pastors. You have to tell your mentor, I, I, we need to talk to the pastor. Now, she might not... Or the mentee, yeah. We need to tell the mentee, we need, I, oh, okay. Well, again, I'm going to go with you. I won't leave you, but we need to talk to the pastors because I think it probably needs to be reported, and they need to do it. Um, you can't keep it to yourself. You just can't. In this day and age, you can't do it. You have to go to an authority. Yes, I would. Mm -hmm. I mean, as soon as you get the hint, that's where it's going. Yeah. Right. Right. And you need to make them understand, this isn't because I'm not going to hear it with you. It's just that I, we, we have a legal system. And we have to come under that authority. And, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it can be sticky because at the minute that you hint that you're going to do that, they may not want to say another word. And if that happens, you just have to say, I'm sorry, but I just, I have to follow the rules, basically. And I, like I said, it's not that I'm not going to hear it. It's just that I can't handle it the way that it should be handled. Um, yeah. And a lot of times, you know, this has happened, I mean, to my husband, is they won't tell anymore. And then you just go to your knees. Then you're just like, Lord Jesus, please put them in a place where they will follow through. And sometimes God wants to let, let them 
let them endure with it a little bit longer until they're ready to really get help. But we certainly want to encourage them to get help. We don't want to encourage them to know. We don't. Um, but there's only so much we can do. And that's, you know, that's painful when you have to just say, well, I really think this is what you should, should do, but... Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, in our training, we talk all about what mandatory reporting is. We talk about the current culture um, and all of that. We talk about that we are not asking you to handle this. And we, I mean, we get silly about it. And what are you to handle? <laughs> we like ask that every other, you know, so that they really are sure. Um, yeah, right. We've we changed it. I, I don't know what we're going to end up with. The first year we did an informational meeting, where we sent out invitations to the ladies who we thought were ready to mentor. We asked them to come to the informational meeting, which was a two-hour breakfast. And then we said, you're not obligated. If you come to this meeting, you're not obligated to you know, be a part of the program. After the meet, informational meeting, you have two weeks to get back to us and say, I would like to be involved or I would not like to be involved. Then with those ladies who want to be involved, we train, the first year we trained four Saturday mornings for two hours. And then the girls said, I think it would be better to try, you know, train longer and have less Saturdays. So this year we did three Saturdays for three hours. So I don't know what we'll end up with, but it never seems like enough. So I realized, you know, Betsy, you just got to make an amount of time that you think is reasonable and go with it, you know. But then after, then they decide if they're ready to have a mentee. And they let us know that. And then we match them. And then we give them another week to pray over that match. And if for some reason it's just not good for them for reasons we wouldn't have known, then they can come back and say, I still want to do it, but I don't think this is a good match for me. Um, and then we put the whole thing back on the table and match it up again and send it back again. And then during that time, we're having the mentees sign up, doing sign-ups after church on Sundays, and then we pray and, you know, say this is it, and then we have a meet your mentor event, uh, you know, like a month later, where we come for breakfast again. We have tables set up so that there are two people with purple tags, two people with green tags, two people with blue name tags. So the mentors come first and get in their place at their table. And then when the mentee comes in and she gets a purple tag, she goes to her table and she finds out who her mentor is. And it's a wonderful meeting. Like they're just so happy to know you're mine and I'm yours. And we, we the first time we provided all these icebreakers and we realized we don't need that. They're so ready to talk. They don't, they don't need that. So we just have breakfast. We kind of talk about the vision and um, give them these, some of these forms I gave you. Let's make a plan. We, the main goal of that meeting is that they have two or three meetings scheduled before they leave that breakfast. 
so that we know they're going to get a good start. And then we're always available for the mentors. You know, please call us. Um, if you have a question, if I can just pray with you, if you're just discouraged, if you don't know what to do next, if just call. We're here if you need help. Yes, ma'am. Um, not so far, N not so far. It's, I mean, I think they would eventually as it really gets going, I think that they would say to somebody, you know, what you really need is just for someone to come alongside you. Would you be interested in this program? Um, we, they just, we just do signups and if they want to um, be mentored this year, they just sign up. And we, we let them roll it over. Like the ones from last year, about 85% did not want to leave their mentor, which is perfect. That's what we want. You know, so we said, great, stay with your mentee and, and who's left. And, and then we had more mentees, we, mentors we trained this year, and then we could match them. And it was so cool. The first year we had like, I don't know, 19, um, 19 or 20 mentors be trained. And we had something like 22 mentees, so some of us have more than one. It was perfect. And then the next year, we had like, I think this last training, we had like five or six mentors train, and we had five people sign up. So I was just like, thank you, Lord. Because if it was opposite, you know, we had 20 mentees and we had five mentors, and then you're like, oh, Lord, now what? So we haven't crossed that bridge. I don't know what's going to happen. Holly. Yes, yes, and I meant to say that in here somewhere. That's my goal, to be mentoring and... Oh, she asked, do you have some that are both? Me mentors and being mentored. And I said, that's my goal. That's my personal goal, to have someone that I am going to for care and help and s others that I'm helping. And I think that should be all of our goal. I mean, it's not always possible to have that much time set aside, but I think, you know, it's just the principle of we just always want to be receiving help and wisdom, and we always want to be giving out what God gives us. So, yeah, we do have several that are doing both. It's, I love that. Yes, ma'am. Not usually. It depends. <clears throat> yeah, it depends though. Like when the mentor that I was telling you about that was like, she was younger than me. And at the beginning of our relationship, I was very much the needy person. And I, 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 I mean, we say it goes two ways, but I don't think she got anything from me, <laughs> but a lot of work. I, but eventually our relationship changed to where there was just a decided point where we were now kind of peers, and um, that's where we are today. And that's just a glorious thing. Yes, it can, it did with us. But, you know, the, the important thing is, I mean, I am there to serve my mentee. And even though I share things that 
freely that I'm going through. My, my mother had cancer a couple years ago, and my mentees all knew about that because I was crying half of the day. Um, and they, you know, but I didn't go into every detail about that. I just said, this is really hard. My mom has lung cancer. She's 87. She's probably not going to make it, which she did make it, by the way. She's alive and well. But, um, yeah, but I don't, I have other people that I go to to share deeply, so. Anybody else? No? Okay. Let's pray real quick and I'll let you go. <laughs> Father, I thank you for um, just the amazing opportunities you give us. I, I just never cease to be amazed that you, you did not have to include us in your work. You don't need us. And yet you love us and you want us to be beside you and you give us opportunities to love and care for your precious children, your precious daughters. And um, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to look to you for the opportunities that you have for us, Lord, to trust you for the help that we need to walk this way. Um, give us faith, Lord, help us trust you. Um, but also give us a heart that burns with a desire to help. And Lord, may it glorify and honor you. Lord, may we honor you in it. In Jesus' name, amen.